of those knockdown dragout struggles between Newt Gingrich and Bill Clinton, they traded Tocqueville quotations at one another. They both favored the writings of Tocqueville. They both saw Tocqueville as basically on their side and helping to make their case. Tocqueville is perhaps known more than for any other single phrase for this one. America is great because America is good. And if America ceases to be good, it will cease to be great. Now, there's a good one-liner. It's a wonderful statement in many ways. One tiny problem, and that is Tocqueville didn't write it or say it. It was written about Tocqueville. It was a sort of summary of Tocqueville done at the beginning of the 20th century. And somehow or other, that summary ended up getting quotation marks around it and it's his most oft-quoted one-liner. We can decide, after talking about this book and its author for a while, whether it's a good summary or not. But we at least ought to be aware of the fact that Tocqueville, in fact, does not utter his most famous phrase, as silly as that sounds. A larger problem than this misquotation is the fact that because Tocqueville's Democracy in America is such a big, thick book, very few people read the whole thing. It is very well known from quotations, from snippets. It is often anthologized in books about America and books about democracy and books about politics in general. But not very many people read the whole thing. Even in college, where Tocqueville is often assigned in history and political science courses, you get assigned a thin version of Tocqueville. For there are many, many severely edited editions, 100, 150, 200 pages. And the problem of that, of course, is you don't get the fullness of Tocqueville's thought and you lose the context of all the pieces you are reading. And inevitably, it will lead to distortions of understanding Tocqueville. So one of the things I'm most looking forward to in this course is the opportunity to spend a good deal of time with this text. We can't exhaust it because you can't exhaust a more or less 700 page book in 24 30 minute lectures or a lot more than 24 for that matter. But we can in some ways systematically and reasonably thoroughly look at all the contents of this book. It's a pleasure I get with my own undergraduates because I teach a course on Tocqueville where I have still more time than I have here with the teaching company. But nevertheless, we're going to be able to do some very good things and to explore this in a way very few college professors have the opportunity to and explore it in a way that, well, let's face it, most people don't go to the bookstore and say, here's a nice 700 page book I think I'll buy and curl up with for most of the rest of my life. Well, we're not going to quite do that. But nevertheless, I think we're going to find this to be a valuable, useful, stimulating experience. There are a lot of profitable ways to read democracy in America. One can simply read it historically. That is to say, Tocqueville tells us some things about himself and his own French background, but tells us a lot about America in the year that he came to visit, 1831 and the beginning of 1832. So anybody who's studying, for example, the era of Andrew Jackson, because Jackson was president at that time, is probably going to read Alexis de Tocqueville's Democracy in America. Nobody will deny he was a very careful observer of American life at his time. 
Secondly, Tocqueville is often read as a kind of prophet. Tocqueville likes to make broad, general predictions about the future. And although when you do that very much, you always blow some, and Tocqueville does, he's wrong about some things. He never thought American literature would amount to much, for example. Nevertheless, several of his prophetic statements have become true or have at least we've moved in the direction that he suggested, even though they were counterintuitive at his own time, to make him something of a prophetic figure in many people's minds. I suppose most famously is his prediction, outlandish when he made it, no doubt, that eventually what would happen in the world would be the two big countries would come to dominate. One dedicated to freedom, America, and one not dedicated to freedom, Russia. That would have pretty much seemed wacky in 1835 to most people. And yet we sort of know how the story.